Hello, everyone, and welcome to Nice to Meet You. This is your host, Simone, and this is a podcast of conversations with friends and strangers where we talk about life and lessons learned along the way. This is the third season, and I'm so excited to begin sharing it with you. Um, So this episode, the first episode of the third season is with Chris and Chris talks about his podcast, which is really awesome, um, really great stories. It's called The Forgotten Eleven and it is about women's soccer and the history of it. Um, He really delves into the sort of forgotten well, definitely forgotten history of women and women specifically in soccer. And there's so many different amazing stories. We talk about one in the podcast and I would definitely recommend checking out that episode. It is called Ciao Bella. Um, I had to think about that because I said it wrong in the episode at first. I think I said it wrong again. It's Bella Ciao, isn't it? (laughs) I'll have to check on that while y'all check out this episode. Um, But We also get into um, dog training because he trains dogs and you know, I just got this precious puppy. So he gave me some tips to help with training my puppy. So check this out, let me know what y'all think. Um, Make sure you're subscribed. There goes the puppy now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, make sure you're subscribed. Um, Leave a review on iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to your podcast. All right, let's get into this. Today we have Chris, and Chris, if you could introduce yourself and tell everybody how we met. Sure. Uh, my name's McGlynn. Um, I host a podcast called The Forgotten Eleven, spelled with Roman numerals. It's about the uh, history of women's football. Um, and we met, uh, was it the podcast Slack channel? Yeah, that was it. Yeah. So where are you from? Oh, I am, well, I grew up in, uh, outside of Pittsburgh, but I've been in Chicago for 25 years. Wow. What made you move to Chicago? Uh, I went to university just outside of Chicago and, uh, after school, I just moved into the city. Mm-hmm. What'd you study when you went to university? Uh, books is. I'm sorry. What'd you say? It's kind of breaking up a little bit. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, do you know what the great books are? No, like I haven't Plato. heard of that. Yeah, it, it's a oh. curriculum so like Plato and Socrates and Shakespeare and Isaac Newton. So okay, so like all the philosophers and and the literature and like all the classics, basically. Okay, so what do you find interesting? Uh, obviously, soccer, um, and especially women's soccer, um, and that really since this lockdown started, what in March, um, when they finally started playing soccer again it's like oh my god I have something to do again (laughs) and I like going back to the history of the women's game I mean like what was it 2019 during the women's world cup you know people were talking it's a modern phenomenon and it's really not but yeah I remember um well like when we were talking earlier um you mentioned like getting involved with soccer because of the 2019 women's game and how that led you to starting your podcast yeah, that, that, that's how I got into uh, the the podcast. Um, I got into soccer. It's, I guess, kind of an interesting story. Uh, I was living in South Korea, and in 2002, uh, South Korea hosted the Men's World Cup. And so when I was there in 2006, uh, it was obligatory to watch every single match. Um, and so it hosted in Germany that year, so... Uh, we were staying up until like two, four o'clock in the morning to catch some of these matches. But after six weeks, you know, I, I was, um, 
and then you know I kept traveling around the world a little bit and when I came back to the United States so was doing and I realized oh they're terrible <laughs> they're just absolutely <laughs> terrible um, but then I you know I looked at oh the women the women are and basically uh, I think it's in since 1991, never placed worse than third in any tournament, which is kind of impressive. Wow, that is really impressive. Um, yeah, I also mentioned on the phone that like I've been to a lot of schools like um, Maryland, where the women's teams were so like outstanding um, as far as like basketball, mm -hmm. soccer, and um, what else was it? Lacrosse, and they just didn't get the same amount of support as the guys. Yeah, uh, I kind of have. Uh, uh, an episode about uh, women's college sports in the U.S. and part of why the U.S. women are so good. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of Title. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, when Title IX happened in, in the mid to late '70s, um, <clears throat> there were plenty of women uh, that wanted to play all sorts of different sports, but one that kind of stood out for them uh, was soccer because nobody played soccer here. You know, the, the pitch was always empty for them to go play. And there was nobody, kids didn't watch soccer, didn't know anything about it. There was nobody that would come along and say, oh, you're pretty good for a girl. Or, you know, try and dance and, you know, heading to them or anything like that. It was just, they were completely left alone. It was like an alien world. And, you know, <clears throat> if you look at other countries um, where the men are always playing soccer, uh, like even in Europe right now, women have, have to struggle to find time on the pitch. And that was never the case here. Um, so how has podcasting been going? Uh, well, the problem I always run into uh, is not doing the podcast, because I just record the whole thing on my phone and edit it on my computer. That part's easy. The hard part for me is finding the story. Um, I mean, people, women were playing soccer in the 1860s and 70s, and nobody was recording it. Um, in Chile, women started playing in the 1890s and there's only a couple of years between the 1890s and the 1970s that anybody recorded anything like a formal league or things like that. Um, in Australia, they played at least beginning in the eight, 1920s. Um, but it was always, they basically society disapproved. So they were kind of hiding. They go out of town you know, to play out in the country rather than, you know, have newspapers and people show up and watch and ridicule them. Um, so, I mean, there, there's definitely stories out there, but like I said, it's hard to find because either the players themselves were hiding it or the only coverage of, like in France in the 1920s, uh, women playing all over uh, Paris and France and the newspapers were constantly bad-mouthing them, like, oh, you're not good, you know, a, a real player would do this. And, you know, the women's game is a little bit different, um, just in terms of, like, physical strength. But other than that, it's exactly the same game. But women can't play it, you know, the same way as, like, you know, a seven-foot-tall guy. Uh, and so that, that's really what they were criticizing. But because they're just criticizing, you don't really know how they played. Um, they're often not mentioning the players' names and things like that. So it, it can be frustrating. Yeah, I, I was talking about this on another podcast where it's like women's sports take a little bit more like strategy than strength. Mm -hmm. Like you have to have both. And men's, you can kind of like get away with having more strength than strategy. 
Sometimes. Oh yeah, that, there's a, a male player. Uh, his name is Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and he's 39. He's still pl- playing at the top level, but that's m- not because I mean he's slower than he used to be, obviously. But you know, at 39, like I, I forget who he plays for right now, maybe Milan or something. Um, but that's a top level team. They're not going to go after. Uh, any other 39 year old the reason they can go after him is he's almost seven foot tall you know Mm -hmm. it just gives him a height advantage um but yeah it's like just you know the difference between men and women it does make it even if like in in soccer it's exactly the same rules nothing is different um they just have to play a slightly different way yeah yeah i was listening to your podcast earlier today about the um the chow bella episode where Bella Chow. Um, yeah, where um, they were playing the sport and um, well, they couldn't ha- they couldn't play the sport in any positions that w- might cause them harm or like to do anything that might cause them harm. Yeah. It's like far as the rules, they had to like bend them and change them. Yeah, j- just a little background for your listening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's a group of high school girls who wanted to play uh, proper soccer in fascist Italy. Uh, so they had to ask the government for permission and the permission it, eventually they got the permission sort of, but they, they said, okay, well, you're young mothers. So uh, you can't do anything. You know, there's no uh, kicking the ball into each other's torso or there's no heading the ball. Uh, and because the goalies often do get sort of tangled up in situations like that, uh, the goalies had to be boys. And it, it was just very strange and sexist how, the Italian fascists changed the rules and that these girls continued to play anyway. Yeah. It made me think of like women's lacrosse. Cause I don't know if you know um, much about lacrosse, but like the rules are completely different for women. Like it's basically, it, well, it is a non-contact sport for women. Whereas men's it's almost like rugby. Yeah. And it's kind of like that same sort of like, was this a thing of like, was this made because of this, like because of sexism and like, you know, like watching out for like, women who might become mothers or whatever i don't know yeah i mean it's possible but then uh there could be some other explanation like uh, there's a a game called futsal which is almost identical to soccer except it's three on three or five on five uh and it's played indoors on a basketball uh court and the reason they did that is some guy in uruguay he was a a priest at an orphanage and he needed a game that the kids could play but they didn't have a soccer field they had a basketball court so he just altered the rules of soccer to fit inside a basketball court. Um, so, I mean, it basically became a completely different sport. And like with something like what you're talking about, you know, if like, I, I don't know very much at all about lacrosse, except I've seen it. Uh, it could be because, you know, circumstances said, oh, we have to do it this way. Or maybe it is because uh, they wanted different rules for, for women. Yeah. Um, do you, what are some of the challenges that like women are facing in soccer now? Do you look at that in your podcast also? Uh, I do. Um, more like the recent history. Um, but uh, just as an example right now, uh, in, in the United States, we don't really have a, a coordinated girls infrastructure, you know. <clears throat> but in, in England, for both men and women, boys and girls, they have... Uh, a league structure and academy system uh, from I think the age of six for boys and something like eight for girls. And that system basically, it, it helps the different clubs develop new athletes. And, you know, 
you're talking like these gigantic teams like Manchester United or Barcelona, um, where you know because of the shutdown all over the world, uh, the boy the men's teams are playing again, and the top women's teams are. So Manchester United women is is playing again, and the boys' academies are you know they're still training the, the young kids and teenagers how to play soccer and, and you know putting them through school as well, uh, but they shut down the girls' system. And what that means is right now in England, you've got, even in the top league called the Women's Super League, um, you've probably got about 200 professional players and there's nobody coming up behind them this year. Wow. You know, because they just like with the lockdown, they shut down everything. And then, you know, last summer when they started playing again, they said, okay, the boys academies can come back in too, but not the girls. So that that's going to really affect... Uh, future seasons really mm-hmm. um we, we're not going to see it right now instantly until players start getting hurt um and there's nobody to replace them uh but that's that's a huge issue uh and, that, and that's true kind of all over the world anyway um so i just read uh, a report that the australian football association um are you familiar with the the women's team the matildas no, I don't think so. Yeah, so the, the, uh, there was a report that came out of Australia that uh, if anybody gets hurt, if anything goes wrong, they're not going to have the world-class team that they have because they're not developing uh, new players. Yeah, I guess, does the U.S. have a system like that? Like, are they well set up? Uh, they're well set up in a very different way. So in, in Europe, they have academies. Uh, so you can drop your kids off. And, you know, they'll get three mil here in the States is all the kids that want to get athletic scholarships. They try and get on good high school teams or private league teams. And then when they get to the university, uh, like, for example, uh, Stanford, North Carolina, those are big universities with lots of uh, women training for, you know, those various teams. And that's probably the place where we get almost all of the U.S. national team players. They all started at a big university team. Or, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, it, personally, I don't think it's as efficient as what they have in Europe, but it's what we've got. Yeah. Um, has doing this podcast made you think about the other issues that women face, like, outside of soccer and how, like, their lives are different than men in some ways? Oh, yeah. Like, constantly. I mean, the, the episode you're talking about, uh, I just love, I mean, I love when there's a good story to tell. So, uh, the, the players from, uh, the team was called uh, GFC Milan, which just stands for Women's Football Club of Milan. Uh, and they were forced to stop playing soccer and then try basketball. Um, but they were also, if not openly, at least privately anti-fascist. So when World War II happened, uh, there's no absolute proof because the resistance is a, a secret organization. Uh, but a, at least one or two members of GFC Milan joined the Italian resistance um, and, you know, fought Mussolini and then Hitler. But one of the, th- one of the things that uh, happened, um, the Allies realized that these women uh, all over Italy uh, were an organized resistance and they could basically go around society and do things very, very differently, especially in a sexist society. Um, so they would smuggle documents. They would... Uh, basically organize all sorts of resistance um and no one thought you know like 
a 65 year old grandmother was doing anything but sitting there on the bench. No, she, she's organizing a riot or she's trying to smuggle food out of the Nazi military camp to get it to her kids, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, it's the circumstances that women in different countries find themselves, it comes up in most episodes uh, and how that compares to men. And, you know, uh, it's not always uh, negative. Like, so in that case, it was very enabling for women because they were thought to be non-participants non in a lot of parts of society that gave them an advantage for the resistance. Um, in other countries like uh, Brazil for a while, they actually uh, made women playing soccer illegal. They'd actually arrest people for it. Wow. So yeah. Are you a fan of history in general or is it just like when pertains to soccer? Uh, I'm a fan of history in general. Um, more like interesting stories, especially when they're true. <laughs> Fair. So, like, what's one of your favorite historical stories? Uh, there's actually another podcast uh, here in Chicago uh, called The Constant. And that guy, it, it's the history of getting things wrong. And he told this great story, which apparently is true, uh, in 18, I'm sorry, 1916 or 17, they found a submarine in the bottom of the Chicago River. And they had no idea who built it, how it got there. Yeah. And basically, nobody else had submarines at that point. <laughs> the, the episode is called, it's like five parts. Uh, um, it's called The Fool Killer. It's what they named the submarine. Mm -hmm. uh, they have some theories of who built it. Interesting. They're all bonkers people trying to make a submarine without the technology to do it. So you also mentioned that you're, you're a dog trainer? Uh, when I have a dog to train, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was sort of out of necessity. Uh, this is when I was in college. I got uh, a dog who was about 140 pounds and he was a puppy. So, oh. uh, yeah, what kind he, of dog he, is this? <laughs> he was uh, a shepherd Akita mix, we think. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, just imagine a big blonde German shepherd. Okay. Um, so yeah, basically, well... He didn't exactly bite a guy. He just put his mouth on, on somebody and gave him 19 stitches um, because the guy basically pulled his hand out too quick. And the, the guy who got the stitches, he blamed himself, not the dog. But it's like, after that, I have to train the dog. So yeah, uh, I found a, the guy who actually trained uh, some canine uh, dog the town that I was living in. And he basically offered to train me police dog training uh, for free and I did that you know it's with the choker chain and all that and my, my dog's name is Vlad. Uh, Vlad didn't like that at all so then I uh, learned a different style of training which for the most part uh, you don't punish the dog you just try and reinforce the behaviors that you like um, so it, it's like if, if you hated doing math and every time you did a math problem I gave you a cookie or something eventually you start liking doing math just by association. Yeah. And what I found is that tr is much more reliable uh, for everyday people. Yeah, I'm trying to train my dog right now. I've had her for about two months. Um, she was a foster and okay. I just, it was a foster fail, you know, like <laughs> you just end up liking the puppy that you get. Um, so yeah, I've been working with her and like, that is like one of my fears is that she jumps at someone and then they, they like try to hit her or something like that. Cause that's like an awkward thing. Cause like you guys are both just like 
reacting on your instincts, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I, I would recommend, um, there's a, a YouTube channel called Keek. She uses exactly the same method that I do. Uh, basically, if you just look up Kiko Pup and sit or Kiko Pup and stay, um, she's got some just great, she can, it, it, the first time I watched one of these and I know how to do it, uh, I was like, she puts so much information into 10 minutes or five minute videos. Um, you you kind of have to watch it three or four times and take notes. Um, but that's a great thing on me. Uh, so I'll just tell the owner, hey, go check out this video or I'll send, uh, email them a link, things like that. Yeah, it's definitely like I've been going to dog classes like at PetSmart because um, mm-hmm. that was like the easiest way to find it, you know, pretty cheap. And it's definitely helped out. Like we we're learning how to like walk on a leash correctly uh-huh. and also a couple of other like little tricks and everything. Um, but I think the number one thing is just like the jumping that I need to work on. Yeah, what what I tell people, about, yeah, the number one thing I tell people about uh, going to PetSmart or group classes, dog's not going to learn anything there. Just because they're, they're, it's a new environment, there's 10 other dogs, you know, there's food everywhere. So, you know, don't worry if the dog gets it in class. You know, t- it's your, your job to learn in class and then take the dog home and teach them there. Yeah. 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 I was realizing it's like, you have to, um, you have to make homework for yourself also. <laughs> oh yeah. Absolutely. No. But anytime I'm teaching somebody, I like what I do is, okay, there's like four people in the house to say, who's going to be the trainer and it'll be that one person. And okay. So when the dog learns sit, it doesn't mean sit for three minutes. It doesn't mean sit on your side. It means exactly one thing. And it, you basically have to teach everybody else in the house exactly what sit means and it's not sit 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 my, my folks have a dog um and i got it i gave her uh taught her two commands um one was down which meant get off me and the other one was ground which meant lay down and you know dog when they come home from the grocery store or whatever for which one was which and so instantly the dog forgot both of them it's like you don't know what you mean i don't have to do anything <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've definitely realized like the importance of being consistent because they're just looking at you and like, oh, so like when you put your shoes on, it means this. And when you do this, it means this. So like if you're inconsistent, they're just going to be, you know, just as inconsistent. Yeah. I mean, dogs, you know, they, they want to just have fun, you know, like anybody else. Um, and working with you, whether it's, you know, doing the training or, or going out on a walk or like a nice, perfect teal, things like that, that they're having fun. You know, you're not being hard on them or being strict. Um, they enjoy that, you know. So, the, like, the more commands you can teach them, the more fun they'll have. Uh, it's just you got to maintain that consistency. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I've realized that she's, like, a really smart dog and does really, like, learning things. And even if it's just motivation by snacks, she's, like, pretty good at getting snacks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you gotten to the lesson about reducing the snacks? No, I haven't. Okay, so... Uh, the the food that or you know the toy or the petting or whatever <clears throat> that you use as a reward, um, that's there to give the dog motivation to learn a new word, right? So once the dog knows sit, you know like you, you can do sit like nobody's business. Uh, then how about lay down or whatever command you use for that? So what you do is when you, the dog sits and you know the dog knows what sit means. Then you have them lay down as well. 
So they just did two things for one treat. And, okay. and you're, ne you're never going to eliminate all the treats, but if you happen to run out uh, or if you're you know, out on a walk and you know, there's an old man with a cane or something that you don't want to get knocked down, um, <clears throat> it, it basically will reinforce that the dog knows this and he's not just doing it for food. He's doing it because he wants to work with you. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, if, if, and the other thing is if, you know, you're walking around with a pocket full of dog treats all day, every day, um, the dog's just going to get unhealthy. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So the last question that I have for you is, do you have any questions for me? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, got you into podcasting. Um, I think, I don't know. I'm not that big of like a music fan. Um, so like, I, it's interesting. I'll listen to it, but I really just like listen to the same song. So that got boring and like working podcasting just kind of like fit better in that. So I started listening to podcasts at work and then I was like, this mm -hmm. is just like, you know, like people talking and stuff. And I feel like I could do that. Um, so yeah. I guess it's, you know, like everybody's, you know, things starting a podcast is, well, you can just, you just talk on a mic, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, but, I, I literally, I'm recording on my cell phone and I stand in the closet, you know, reading the script because I get more sound in the closet. But yeah, it, it's easy and fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It taught me to meet a lot of interesting people. And um, I don't know, but it was, it is a lot more work than I thought it was at first. Like it is just like recording and like putting out an episode, but it's a lot of like, um, like marketing and everything that's involved in it also. Yeah, that, that's you know, since not really making any money on a food, um, you know, I put a little bit out, but I guess probably every podcaster has, has that, like, how do I get more listeners? And I think it really is about just like being a community of podcasters because I don't know, I'm, I'm really honestly not sure if the average person like listens to podcasts, you know, it's like, <laughs> I'm not sure. You know, people who are new to cell phones, you know, who like just got a cell phone and you know, they probably don't listen to very much unless you ask them to. Oh, I, I think especially with younger people, it's, uh, it's getting a lot more popular. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any other questions? Um, I was, did you hear? No, I didn't. <laughs> I was ask you what the dog's name was. Oh, um, her name oh, is okay. Chloe. Oh, Chloe. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I looked at her medical records and her original or her original name was Bella. But um, when they gave her to me, her name was Claire. And I was like, that doesn't really sound like a dog's name. So I changed it to Chloe. <laughs> there you go. Cool. All right. So um, do you have any social media you'd like to plug? Yeah, sure. Uh, there, I, I'm really just on Twitter. Um, you can find the show at forgotten xi um and follow it on twitter or uh the website no you can find it on itunes or spotify or wherever you get your podcast but the uh i said the forgotten 11 the hidden history of women's football or something cool and um obviously the podcast but do you have any other projects that you're working on that you want to mention trying to say stay sane while all this lockdown is happening <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> Look, I'm just, I'm hoping that we'll be out by next summer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine and 
basically he was saying a lot of doctors if you can vaccinate 20 percent of the population so i mean that's really not that much um but just 20 percent the virus will start to taper off die out on its own so that, that that's should be well before next summer Wow, that's, yeah, no, that sounds like actual good news. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, great. Well, thanks for being here, Chris. Um, really enjoyed oh, the conversation. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, me too. I also, I never, I didn't mention this, but I played soccer. So um, yeah, <laughs> probably should have said that in the beginning of the podcast. But when I was growing up, that was like one of my favorite sports. Who's, who's your uh, soccer hero? I honestly, I didn't watch much women's soccer when I was growing up. Uh, I didn't really get into it until it? like high school. Okay. Yeah. But do, do you have a favorite player? Um, I would probably say Hope Solo. I like Hope. Yeah, I always wanted to be a goalie, but I never got the chance. I was the defender, but yeah. Yeah, cool. Who did you play for? Oh, I played um, just my high school. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that was that was where my career ended. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. You can go back and listen to a couple of other episodes of, and find a new soccer hero yeah i mean honestly it really does make me want to get out there and like start playing sports again at least like get more active somehow i hope you guys enjoyed the first episode of the third season i definitely learned a lot about soccer and about dogs so please check out chris's podcast forgotten 11 um and let him know what you think also let me know what you think on itunes and an email on twitter on instagram wherever you feel comfortable um if you guys would like to follow the podcast you can do that at into my podcast on instagram and twitter if you would like to subscribe to the podcast you can do that on itunes spotify and soundcloud if you would like to check out the website that's ntmypodcast.com and um yeah if you have any questions comments concerns suggestions or just something that you want to share then you can send those emails to ntmypodcast at gmail.com thank y'all for listening and i'll see you next week